Welcome everyone to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through his word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning into the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate every single one of you. And now, let us begin. Well, welcome back to a brand new week. I hope it's treating you well so far. We are at the conclusion of our three-part series of Love is the Greatest. Just to recap, part one was What is Love? Last week was part two, and that was God is Love. And this week is entitled Love One Another. I'm excited to do this today. I'm excited to be a part of this and to be able to complete this series with you and it's been an amazing journey so far, and we are planning on having, God willing, next week's episode be on the resurrection, which is aptly fitting. So look forward to that, God willing, next week. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Last week, we talked about who is love, and the answer is God. When Jesus was on this earth, he flipped the script of the minds and hearts of men. And you know, man has a major problem with twisting what God said into what they want it to mean. The Pharisees took Leviticus 19.18, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself, and twisted it by adding, hate your enemy. This isn't from God at all. And this is the danger of making scripture and reading scripture with your emotions at the forefront. The Holy Spirit within you gives you knowledge and wisdom of what Scripture is really telling you. Loving one another is, first of all, not natural. We aren't strictly talking about immediate family here, but to all people, from the person who you see on the streets to the person cutting you off in traffic and telling you that you're number one, to the people who can't stand you for no reason at all. So why is loving one another not natural? Because in 1 John 4, 7, says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So again, love is from God. That's why it's not natural, it's supernatural. So love is from God. In this episode, we are going to take a deep look into what our Lord Jesus Christ teaches us about loving one another. Please turn with me to the book of John now, not one John, John, the 13th chapter, verses 34 and 35. This is what it says. A new commandment I give you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And what we have to take away from this is love is a command. We are commanded to love one another. And that, my friends, is very difficult because the people that mistreat us 
the people that persecute us, the people that put us down and make us feel inferior or less, those are the people that we are called to love, not just our family. So if you want to see if you're the real, authentic, true follower of Christ, we, in a way, prove it by our Christ-like love for one another. So these next few points that we're going to make here are going to be some specific ways that we can show love to one another. So the first one we just tackled is that it is first off commanded. It is commanded. Number two, let's turn to Romans, the 12th chapter, starting the 10th verse. This is what it says. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. So we are to be devoted to one another. And that's a big key there, being devoted to one another. That again, that stuff does not come naturally. You will you will probably see people who exhibit some of those qualities and characteristics, but Naturally, it just does not come to us. Romans, the 13th chapter, verse 8. This is what it says here. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If we love one another, we will not murder people, hate people, steal, covet. If we truly love as Christ loved us, we are led by the Spirit and not of the flesh. Because the flesh longs to steal, to murder, to covet, to hate, and to fulfill every evil passion and desire that conflicts with what the Word of God says and the Spirit of God. So, number two is being devoted to one another. Number three, to serve. Please turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. For you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Several times already, we are hearing that we must love our neighbor as ourselves. That's amazing stuff. Turn with me real quick to Philippians, the second chapter, verses three through five. This is what it says. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. 
have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. You're not looking through the lens of selfishness, of me first. And we are to regard one another as more important than ourselves. That is so countercultural because the culture tells us to look out for number one. Don't let anybody disrespect you. You need to have people serve you. That's what success is, to have that power and authority over people. And that's not it at all. And what's interesting about this last one is regarding others more important than yourselves is that only comes with humility of mind that God gives and only humble people truly love. And I'm fully convinced of that. And we all start to look out for the interests of other people, not just our own. Others' interests have to take precedence over our own. That is a must. And the love that Christ has for us and demonstrates through us, it manifests itself into service to one another. And simply put, it goes back to Philippians. When we regard others as more important than ourselves and we look out for the other's interest, not just our own. So let's move on to the fourth way we show love toward one another. Turn with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses one through three. This is what it says. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, you probably caught that there's more than just one way in this piece of scripture here. So let's go ahead and break that down just for a minute here. Paul is imploring us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. This call that we have is a high calling. And it says here, with all humility, not partial, and not just a little bit of gentleness, all gentleness, with all patience, and showing tolerance for one another in what? Love. That's the basis of all this. We need to show people love by being humble and gentle and patient and tolerant. That doesn't mean we tolerate sins, but that doesn't mean that we need to go busting down doors when someone does commit a sin. Do we need to hold each other accountable? Yes, we do. Do we need to say that wrong is wrong? Yes. But that's why Jesus says to not look at the speck in your brother's eye without looking at the plank in your own eye. So 
we do have to be patient and tolerant because there are people in the faith that are not maybe as mature as you are and that you need to bear with them because if you if you crush their spirit it may do irreparable damage but going back to in Ephesians where it says walk in a manner worthy of the calling we might wonder how so if you turn to chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 listen to this brothers and sisters therefore be imitators of god as beloved children and walk in love just as christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to god as a fragrant aroma i mean Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. He served. He did not come to rule. He came to serve. And he offered himself to God on our behalf. And a piece of scripture there in verse 2, it says, walk in love. That doesn't mean we do it part of the time, all the time. And here's the other thing. We must do this for all, not to those who we think deserve it, but to all. So a quick recap of the ways we can show love to one another. Number one, it's a command. And we don't obey God strictly out of duty and a have-to attitude. We do it by the amazing grace that he has shown us, the love that he puts on full display in the word of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. So... That's number one. Number two, being devoted to one another. Number three, serving one another. Number four, tolerating one another. Now, number five, it grows for others. Please turn with me to 2 Thessalonians 1.3. This is what it says. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged, and the love of each one of you toward one another grows even greater. So, when our faith is enlarged, increased, or grows, and how does our faith increase? By reading the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. But not just reading the Word of God, but it being accompanied by actions that are a result of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Word in the heart. Our love for others, as a result, grows greater for one another. 
So to simply put it, more faith equals the growth of love for others. Point number six, it forgives. This is a big one. This is a very big one. First Peter 4, 8. First Peter 4, 8. Listen to this. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Above all, that's a kind of a key word there for me, above all. Keep fervent in your love for one another. Above everything else. And love covers a multitude of sins. Pride is the reason why we don't love one another and forgive one another. We hold grudges. Pride holds on to the past. And it leads to bitterness, hostility, keeping a record of wrongs and Scarily enough, it also can lead to anger. And a kind of a sub point of this point here of forgives, number six, is love forgives 70 times seven. Let's look at Matthew, the 18th chapter, verses 21 and 22. Matthew 18, 21. And 22. This is what it says. Then Peter came to him and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. What does that mean? means always forgive. Always. Matthew 6, 14 through 15 is another piece of scripture that Jesus tells us on the Sermon of the Mount. And it says this, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your heavenly Father will not forgive your transgressions. So, again, simply stating it, if you forgive, God will forgive you. If you're unforgiving, you will not be forgiven. And the last piece of scripture we're going to look up here in this section is Ephesians 4.32. I know what you're thinking. We just were in Ephesians. That's okay. That's perfectly fine. 432. It says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Too many times as Christians, we forget the forgiveness that God has forgiven us. I think we take it for granted. But if we're humble and we are grateful of the grace and the love and forgiveness we've been shown, 
then we need to forgive other people when they commit sins against us. Being a Christian requires, demands, that we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, going back to 1 John 4, 7 here, and we touched on this earlier. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So, if we love as Christ loves us, we are born of God and truly know him because like we talked about last week, he is love. And that's what we need to be viewed as, as we need to be viewed as love, just as God is. Five verses down in verse 12, I want you to listen to this. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So again, he lives in us. He remains with us if we love one another. If we love one another. And last, but certainly not least, the last way is laying our lives down for our brothers and sisters. And the greatest demonstration of love is found in John 15, verses 12 and 13. This is what it says. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was the absolute greatest display of love the world has ever seen, has ever heard of. We as followers of Christ must follow his example and we need to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. I'm going to leave you with this story. This happened on Wednesday night. We were in the middle of Bible study, talking about God and his family and us being adopted as sons and daughters. And out of nowhere, this man walks in. Don't know him. No one knows him. He sits in on the Bible study. Fifteen minutes later, we conclude. And as we're sitting there, fellowshipping, talking to one another, people start to leave. And finally, it's just the three of us. Me, one of the gentlemen who helps on Wednesday night, and this random stranger. Come to find out, he's homeless. He's a survivor, but he's been on his own for about 30 years. And he told me that he was blown away by our receiving him into our presence, if you will, and welcoming him. And I said, what, that doesn't happen anywhere else? He said, no, they give me dirty looks and weird looks and they don't want to talk to me. And 
at different churches. And I'll be honest with you. I was a little bit nervous as well. And we ended it by praying over this man. And he seemed genuine about his faith. Say so he didn't really know the Bible that well, but he said that he talked been talking to a friend and that all he was looking for was a Bible study because his friend told him that on Wednesday nights, churches meet for Bible study. And he had been reading the whole book of John and was super excited. And he told me that he gave himself to the Lord. Doesn't even know what he's really doing, but he just begged for mercy and asked God to save him. And I said, well, how did you hear about this Bible study, though? Because there's not too many of us there. And frankly, he just said, I found it on the internet. And he had a sign. And I'm going to share this sign with you right now. I took a picture of it with his permission. It says this. Wednesday, I need Bible study. Anybody give a lift with a question mark. He was hungry for the word of God. He was hungry for it. Yet I'm sitting there at first looking at him because I don't know him from Adam and wondering what's kind of the deal, what's going on. But I was thinking, I need to show him grace, tolerance, patience, and above all, just like we learned in 1 Peter 4, 8, fervent love. Because you know what? Yeah, he might have been homeless. He even admitted that he was a little bit socially awkward, his words. But you know what? I would take a thousand of those people over the people who are self-righteous that treat the Bible and treat Jesus, treat the Father and the Holy Spirit as a means to their own end, who treat them as a ritual, who act pharisaical. I would take a thousand of him over those people. And you know, one of the things I told him is Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And it's not the well who need a doctor, it's the sick. And he was completely open. And I told him after we prayed over him, I said, you have a lot of courage and I'm inspired by that. I'm encouraged by that. And he was kind of humbled by that. But I said, you walked in off the street and joined a study with people who had no idea who they even were. And you're open, you're honest. And you know the cool thing? Listen to this, people. He didn't want a dime. He did not want a f any food at all. He didn't want any handouts or, or anything like that or sympathy. He was hungry for the word of God. And you know, brothers and sisters, that's how we need to be. We need to be hungry. And we need to be overjoyed in the fact that God has loved us so much 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. There is nothing greater. And we talked about this last week. The fourth point, if you remember, adoption as sons. We are not only adopted into his family, but we are co-heirs with Christ. And I asked this question last week, and I think it's so fitting I ask it again. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, King of kings and Lord of lords, who is higher than him? Who is holier than him? Nothing and no one. And if we are coerced with Christ, there is nothing greater than that. And that, my friends, is every ounce of motivation we would ever need to love people. It's the greatest news ever. And God willing, next week, we're going to be going through Good Friday, the day Jesus died on the cross, and then triumphantly bursting forth from the grave on Resurrection Sunday. Yes, amen, hallelujah. I love you, Lord, and there's no one greater. And all I want to do, brothers and sisters, is show love to other people as God has graciously, undeservingly shown love to me. I love you guys. And thank you for sticking with me after two seasons. And we're still going strong, God willing. It's by the grace of God, for the glory of God. I pray that the Lord does bless and keep you and give you absolute peace. And until next time, my dear brothers and sisters, God bless you.